Hello, this is Dr. Shiva. Welcome to our podcast, Get Educated or Be Enslaved. Episode 563, air date April 11th, 2020. Right up on uh, on uh, the other, other platforms, I'm going live on Periscope and then live on Facebook. Good evening, everyone. This is Dr. Shiva Idre. I wait till people join. We have about 400 people coming up on... Uh, uh, Instagram. I'm going to go over to. There we go. All right. Well, good evening. It's been a long day for me. I've been doing a bunch of interviews, and I really enjoyed doing uh, these discussions for you. Um, I'm sorry I was a little bit delayed again. Things always happen. Um, but I want to talk to you about something today of what I call the not so obvious establishment. And it's really about. Um, I hope everyone on YouTube, uh, let's see, is everyone okay on YouTube? You guys seeing everything coming in? Yes? Everyone on YouTube okay? Okay, great. Hello everyone on YouTube, hello everyone on Periscope, Instagram, etc. Those people on Instagram, again, this video will be going up, and if you want to watch it, you can go to VA underscore Shiva on Twitter or on Facebook, or you can also catch it on YouTube. So anyway, uh, what I want to talk to you about is uh, what's going on obviously with COVID relative to what Fauci is planning, but I want to actually uh, take a couple of steps back, uh, look at a tweet that I did this morning. You know, I get up early in the morning and sometimes I have some level of inspiration to write something. And as, as everyone knows, Easter is coming. It's a very important time that we're in. In the Indian Hindu calendar, it's known as Tamil New Year. Easter is coming. We're also in the middle of Passover. Um, so I wanted to reflect on that, but I also wanted to use this opportunity to talk about how we win. Uh, over the last several weeks, I've been extremely, I guess, focused on talking about both problems and solutions, but really trying to uh, evoke people's understanding to understand what the real problem is, particularly when it comes to the immune system. What we have is we have a outdated at best, but a real fake science uh, empowered by fear-mongering, empowered by this guy Fauci, empowered by Big Pharma to really mislead people to what they should actually be doing in terms of taking care of their health. And more importantly, uh, driving people into a level of such fear and a policy, quote-unquote, called social distancing, as well as flattening the curve. And in that entire discussion, none of the discussion is focused on beefing up people's immune systems. And on top of it, you have people who claim to care about our health. And I keep talking about these people, the MDs, a lot of very fine people. Unfortunately, most of them are victimized by a big pharma medical education. However, there's some extraordinary people, the healthcare workers, medical doctors, who actually want to figure this out. In the recent, some of you may know, let me go up on the website here, we did a uh, on, on our website, by the way, people know I'm running for United States Senate. This is Dr. Shiva Adure. I'm an MIT PhD if you don't know my background. But if you do, I'm running for U.S. Senate. But on the U.S. Senate site, one of the things we did is um, we, we do need signatures to get on the ballot. I'll come back to this. So any of you from Massachusetts and no friends in Massachusetts, please make sure people go here. Click on this. Let me just expand it a little bit. Click on this button here so to help us get on the ballot. However, if you go all the way down to the bottom of the site, uh, there's a news section. Let me go to it. I always 
jump to this pretty fast, but I had sent a letter to Pe President Trump uh, giving a program, a personalized program, how we integrate immune health and economic health to get our country back on its feet while not compromising those who are, uh, you know, are, are, are immune compromised. But I also put out a, 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 a tweet and a web page we built called Fire Fauci. And if you go here, the Fire Fauci petition has been up now for, I think, about three days. And we really have close to 45,000 signatures, 45,000 signatures of people all over the country and the world who've signed in. And you can see their medical doctors here. The reason I wanted to bring this up is they're close to now, when I looked at the database, close to 900 MDs, professionally trained MDs, who believe in what we've all started, which is, which by the way, the hashtag Fire Fauci, which we started, started trending on, on Twitter, uh, are agreeing that this gentleman needs to be taken out. But let me be clear, for every Fauci, there's another Fauci standing in line. What Fauci really represents is a scientific medical obvious establishment. So the obvious establishment is those people, as you uh, get clear on this, who do not want to talk about a bottoms-up approach to medicine, a decentralized approach to medicine, where we as individuals are incentivized to take care of our own health, have a relationship with our healthcare practitioner, whoever they are. It could be a medical doctor, it could be a naturopath, it could be a chiropractor, but healthcare providers where we develop an understanding with them about the nature of our bodies and figure out what's right for us, the right medicine for the right person at the right time. The reality is the body is a very complex system, as I've shared. There's no way um, that uh, a top-down model, a, a Chinese-type model, top-down, which is what Fauci wants, which is what Big Pharma wants, which is what the CDC wants, which is what the WHO wants, is ever going to work because of the complexity of the body. And what really matters when it comes to health and nutrition and well-being is to build a personal relationship with yourself to understand your body, Hopefully you can do it intuitively, or you can use tools. One of the tools which I've created, which I'm essentially giving away, uh, as I've talked about last time and I'll come back to it, called Your Body, Your System, is for you to understand your body as a system and figure out ways on what are the right inputs to keep your body at homeostasis, where your body is supported, so the immune system of your body supports itself. One of the key things we've talked about in that discussion, it's not this virus that comes and attacks you. And I have to keep repeating this so everyone can share this with other people. The fake science of Fauci and the scientific establishment is to put you into fear mongering that some germs are going to come kill you. This is absolutely a false science. The truth is that we are ourselves living in germs within us. There's 380 trillion viruses. We have close to 60 trillion bacteria, about 6 trillion cells. And around us, we're filled with viruses and microbes and pathogens and parasites. We're not all dying. The reality is the people who have immunocompromised systems where the immune system is lowered due to all different kinds of external factors, some genetic, some epigenetic, some induced by stress, but fundamentally some induced by not getting proper food. Okay, either we deny it or others deny us proper food from dirty air, dirty water, dirty food, and that lowers our immune system, compromises the immune system. The immune system, instead of running on its, let's say six or 10 cylinders, is running on one cylinder, and that cylinder, when a pathogen comes, by the way, they're coming all the time, overreacts, and that overreaction affects tissues, and that overreaction starts hurting us. In the case of 
this particular virus and you don't even have to apply to this virus. We also have the flu going on. 22,000 people already died from that. But the reality is it's the overactive immune system which attacks parts of our own body that causes illness and critical conditions. So that's a key takeaway. But you can see the other videos on truth, freedom and health. To go through those, you can look at the other Twitters on the Twitter feed. I, I'll try to move it. Most of them are up on YouTube. But the fundamental goal here is for you to educate yourself on this fundamental truth that we need to boost up the immune system. And by the way, big pharma does not care about that. Big agriculture doesn't. Big hospitals don't. And big insurance doesn't. And big academia doesn't. The only people that care about that are you and those people who love you and truly want you to be uh, healthy and, and live a long and healthy life. So one of the tweets I did this morning, uh, I used, you know, I use this word love. Uh, it's a word that I uh, have a lot of reverence for, so I don't really like to throw it around a lot. Um, uh, sometimes I feel it's overused in a world where it seems like sometimes people are, um, there's not much love. But one of the things I want to say is, before I go to that, yesterday, if you looked down, I talked about loneliness as a molecule. Uh, it's a quote from a paper that came out, but the essence of it is, look what the big pharma Fauci and these guys are doing through fear-mongering. They're telling us to socially distance, stay indoors, not go outdoors and get sun. Sun is a source of vitamin D. Vitamin C is an antimicrobial, in addition to being an amazing hormone that affects so many different cellular processes. Very, very stupid, very, very damaging. But more importantly, as I talked about yesterday, they're telling us that we should socially distance, isolate ourselves. Well, the landmark research that was done in 1988 that I shared, and that was done back in 2000, a couple of years ago, by Stephen Cole, really shares that when we isolate ourselves, when we live in isolation, that the detrimental effects that it has is worse than high blood pressure, worse than smoking, worse than obesity. More importantly, his research showed at the cellular level that our body actually upregulates inflammatory compounds and it downregulates antiviral activity. So think about that. What this guy Fauci, what the medical establishment is now attempting to impose on us and we want to talk about through a fascist way is basically to try to tell us to isolate ourselves, isolate ourselves, isolate ourselves. So you have, for example, the isolation of someone gets critically ill. They're taken into the hospital, intubated, put on these ventilators. 80-90% of those people are going to die and one of the simple solutions that can really help that's a proven solution is high dose vitamin C. They're not providing that. Obviously you have to look at certain characteristics but by and large high dose vitamin E, uh, vitamin C can have powerful effects and I'll talk more about that on a, on a, um, a session tomorrow and some of the interesting nuances there. But the other piece is telling people to socially distance themselves and that isolation can cause viral infection can cause cancer. So they're telling us to do things that are actually detrimental to our health. Um, but getting back to here, when we talk about uh, the tweet that I put out this morning that came to me was, it says there is a great God, which I f firmly believe, and you can believe that in whatever format you want or not believe, that's fine. But I said it's a force of unbelievable love, but it's not the love you know, that we typically talk, I love you, or people say, um, and perhaps with sincerity, perhaps as a habit. But what I said is a love that connects you back to you, that knows you are eternal, nothing can harm you, and brings forth the courage to be an uncompromising warrior for truth, freedom, and health. And I encourage people to hopefully be the light in doing that. 
And one of the great symbols that I have here, you know, I uh, have studied many different religious traditions, and I'll talk about this. We're coming to this thing called Easter, which is, to me, it's a very powerful holiday. It's about rebirth. It's about uh, the victory of truth uh, over evil. It's about resurrection. It's about renewal. It has some very powerful things. But what I want to talk to you about today is what I call the not-so-obvious establishment. I hope we've pretty much clearly isolated Fauci. Pretty much now everyone is starting to follow since we put up that tweet, since we put up that petition. Uh, all the major grifter newscasters who try to always uh, be opportunists like Tucker Carlson are now fo following a suit on that. And then some of the politicians are jumping in line because they've seen that the wind is going the right way. Maybe they should go that way so they keep getting their votes. But regardless, we have isolated Fauci as the obvious establishment of big pharma, which wants to lead this country to economic ruin, so then they could use fear-mongering and impose their will, and that will is mandated medicine, top-down medicine, and becoming a surveillance state. When you look back at history, you find out that this is not something that's a recent event. There has always been the struggle, and the struggle we're talking about is freedom, versus slavery. That's what we're fundamentally talking about. We're at a point in human history that that struggle is manifesting itself in a very different way. At one times we were in shackles. Other, other times we were on a surf on some feudal lord. Other times we had the king who thought he was connected to God telling us what to do. So this has been a long march of human history and the human experience. But today we have a similar form where you have a set of elites thinking they know better. When you look back at my understanding, you know, and everyone has their own understanding, from my personal uh, studies of many of the great literatures, many of the great religions, including Christianity, the life of Christ had two aspects. One was a spiritual aspect, which we can all have a personal connection with as we want to probe that. But the other was also a material aspect, which was not dissonant with that, which means he didn't live one life in the spiritual world and a different life in this world, okay? They were resonant and they were connected. And one of the interesting scenes in the Bible, which I find fascinating, that many of the Christian you know, major talkers don't want to talk about, is this very powerful scene where Christ is essentially whipping the money changers. It's a very, very powerful scene. It's one of those few scenes in the Bible, people talk about Christ getting angry and righteously angry, but he's essentially chasing these people who are misusing you know, the temple environment, which was supposed to be a place for sanctity. And what I find fascinating about this, it's one, I think probably one, or maybe there's one other example, but it's one of the most powerful examples where Christ expresses his deep anger and righteousness at the abuse that these individuals are, were doing. These were the money lenders in the house, as he thought of the house of the Lord. What's really powerful about this is that I find, again, as I find it is, the, the typical establishment religious hierarchy really ignores this very powerful scene that took place in the Bible. And for me, it's a very profound scene because it's so, it shows someone whose spirituality uh, connected with the realities of living in this world, that you have to have very clear lines of positions you take. You can't be sort of pussyfooting around or being in this, this one camp and, and this other camp and trying to be everywhere and trying to have you know one foot in one boat and another foot into another boat. When you pursue the path of truth, freedom, and health, when we're on the path to truly win 
against these forces of the establishment. It can't be where you try to play their game. And that this uh, symbol of Christ or this event of Christ drawing that clear line, yes, he was a compassionate man. Yes, he had uh, great love for people, but this too was an expression of that love. And that expression of the love was, you know what? You can't F with me. You can't violate the fundamental laws of uh, very fundamental ideas of what the temple was, of what the church was, an environment for connecting with spirit. And here you are violating that. And what I want to share with you today is that all of us go through a journey in life where we come to different points in our lives where hopefully we evolve and we grow and we're trying to figure out how we in our own personal lives move towards the light, move towards more truth in our lives, move towards more freedom and move towards health. But in order to do that, we have to be willing to shed some really awful things. We can't be holding on to certain things on a personal level or a political level or a biological level that are actually detrimental to our advancement. And sometimes this is difficult because we've been brainwashed to think, well, you know, if I just do this, 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 this minor thing, that person will behave better. Well, the reality is people will behave in their particular way. And it takes a while to realize that. And it takes also a while to realize that sometimes people who are compromising to the establishment are part of the establishment. But Christ's whipping of these people is a very clear, hard line that basically says, you know what? There are certain lines you cannot cross. And what the sooner we learn to break free from what I call the not so obvious establishment, the sooner we draw very clear lines is when we're gonna win. The problem is in many movements, political movements, in your whole health movements, people are, do not draw these very clear lines and what happens is suffering prolonged. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about that as I go through this. Um, you know, Christ, one of his interesting points that I wanna talk about is the experience that he just recently had with a lawyer friend of mine, you know, who's been my attorney for nearly uh, 20, Jesus, 20, uh, 27 years, okay, since 1993. Now, lawyers are very interesting people. Um, ultimately, they are part of the aristocratic class. And let me explain. When the revolution ended in this country, you know, we had an aristocracy, a monarchy which controlled us. When they left for, uh, uh, when they didn't leave, when they lost, another class emerged, which, which was very subtle, the not so obvious establishment. And that was the legal class, the lawyer class. If you look at them, you know, they had uh, in the aristocracy, they had gentlemen, that was actually a title of nobility, they had the knight. And then they, they're a new title developed called Esquire, E-S-Q. If you notice, if you look at a lawyer's uh, it, uh, name, it says John Doe, if he's a lawyer, comma, E-S-Q. Well, the Esquire class was one level above gentlemen and one level below knight. The point I'm saying is, even though we thought we got rid of a monarchy, we created a, we created a class of esquires, lawyers. And what do lawyers do? Lawyers live in the world of the abstract. They move around letters and words. They put together contracts and loopholes. These are people very closely connected to the money changers. They work very closely together to preserve people's wealth, when they create an estate document, they put all these loopholes in. When foundations get created, like the Bill Gates Foundation or the Zuckerberg Foundation, the elites using lawyers with lots and lots of documentation, 
They make sure they can evade taxes and make it sound all good. Oh, this is a foundation to help you. But that's what the lawyer class does. They're part of the aristocracy, the remnants of the aristocracy, and they're part of the establishment and part of the not so obvious establishment. If you look at what Christ had to say about them in Luke 11:46, and I'm not, by the way, I'm not a biblical scholar, I don't claim to be, but I find this quote fascinating. It said, woe to you lawyers as well, for you weigh men down with burdens hard to bear, while you yourselves will not even touch the burdens with one of your fingers. And this quote, if you look at it, is really talking to the hypocrisy of these folks. One yardstick for them and another yardstick for us. So many of you know I'm running for United States Senate. And in order to get on the ballot, we have to collect around 10,000 signatures, actually more, and then get them certified. Well, one of the most powerful things that we have to everyone listening out there, everyone should be proud, all of those people writing me emails and supportive, is that we have amazing volunteers on the ground, incredible families, working people. We're not talking about lawyer lobbyists or politicians or politicos. We actually have everyday working people who've come up to work very hard to support our win because they want someone like them. They want one of them in office, someone like uh, them meaning someone who works hard really has earned a living and that's why they're very supportive of our campaign so we've been collecting signatures right we go out right when the signature sheets came out we have to go collect people's names we need about uh, 20,000 signatures because assume they'll throw away 50% to get certified to submit to the Secretary of State well guess what our people have been out there getting signatures and by the way two Democrats are running one guy called Malarkey, Ed Markey, who's the incumbent, and another uh, trust fund kid called Joe Kennedy, by the way, who supports vaccine mandates. You should know about that. So it was supposed to be me as getting the Republican nomination. By the way, I do not care for any of these parties. I'm running as a Republican. It was supposed to be me against Joe Kennedy, uh, Markey. They knew Markey would lose, so they brought in Joe Kennedy to run against Markey. And they probably did their polls and they said, Jesus, Shiva's going to win even against Joe Kennedy. Why? Because he's a working class guy and he's running as a Republican, which is an interesting contradiction to the Democrats that claim that they're the working people. And you have an aristocrat like little trust fund boy, Joe Kennedy, who's got $51 million already in the bank when he's never worked a day in his life. So remember, the establishment is one, the Republican establishment and the Democratic establishment, particularly in Massachusetts, they're one uniparty. So when I decided to run and they saw that I would beat the Democrats, they decided to find some flunky lawyer. By the way, Ed Markey's a lawyer, Joe Kennedy's a lawyer. They find some other flunky lawyer, a nobody, to the GOP establishment and they're throwing him in at, to make sure that he becomes my competitor so I don't get the Republican nomination. That's all fine. We're gonna beat him anyway. However, we're out there working hard to get signatures. This flunky lawyer, who has no ground force, no support, the Massachusetts GOP swamp establishment rigged it so they can use the mail to go get him signatures and likely supported him on the back end. We don't have exact proof, but it's pretty clear this guy without any money, how did he get hundreds of thousands of dollars to go do this mailing? So anyway, as we saw this evolving, I went to my lawyers and I said, look, we should be filing in the Supreme Judicial Court here to ensure that given that we can't collect enough signatures, because now they're stopping our amazing volunteers, they sent police, 
And this is also, sometimes we get notices from the governor who's quote unquote a Republican. So we said we need to file in Supreme Judicial Court. This was on last, um, last uh, uh, Thursday, I brought my lawyers in that we should file. And I said, regardless of what happens, we should file by Tuesday, which was two days ago. Uh, uh, sorry, three days ago, two days ago. So my lawyers agreed, we paid them, a, uh, we got ready to pay them a lot of money under that agreement that they would file on Tuesday. Well, my lawyer of 23 years, or 27 years who I've known, he was a local attorney working with some DC attorneys. Well, Tuesday comes, they haven't filed. I said, why haven't you guys filed? They said, oh, well, we should wait until what the other side, which is what the Secretary of State says, which is a swamp in the Boston, in the Massachusetts, you know, uh, swamp uh, hierarchy, which are the people who control the election commission. I go, what do you mean? File, they're not gonna support us, file. So I had a screaming match with my lawyers and they did not file. And the reason I told them to file is because the GOP establishment, their guy's not getting any signatures. So they're trying to position him as a hero who's gonna fight the establishment, the not so obvious establishment, okay? So I told my lawyers, if you don't file, they're gonna act as though they're gonna fight to lower the signature count. Well, guess what? My stupid lawyers do not file. And this is what my lawyer said to me, why he wasn't gonna file. He goes, Shiva, I don't wanna hurt my reputation. Think about that. My own lawyer, who is I've known for 27 years, did not wanna go fight the establishment because him and his family have relationships with the swamp, okay? So he didn't file and he screwed us. He screwed our campaign because we should have taken the lead in filing. We're gonna get our signatures anyway. But my point is, someone who's my quote unquote friend, a lawyer who I'm paying, because he cares more about his reputation with the swamp. It's like a Judas did not support us. Well, for me, in my growth as someone, you know, for many years I used to put up with a lot of nonsense, I'm sure many of you have, but the next day I said, you know, Tim, you are no longer my friend in any manner. It's over. And he tried to come back and say why he had to do this and all that, but it was bullshit. And same with the other lawyers we, filed, we fired. They did not do our agreement. We're not paying them a penny, but the point is the lawyer class, listen very carefully, the lawyer legal class thinks they're better than us. That's what it is. He is trying to tell me what is right when what he cared about was for his reputation. It was obviously very hurtful, but it was also very liberating. And we need to understand lawyers don't give a damn about you. Lawyers are remnants of the monarchy. And when Christ made this very powerful comment about lawyers, look what he says. Woe to you lawyers as well, for you weigh men down with burdens hard to bear, while you yourselves will not even touch the burdens with one of your fingers. They have a rule to themselves and a rule for us. And what I'm gonna share with you is how screwed up the legal class is, how much they destroy this country. And they're the ones who, by the way, are the ones who create all these ridiculous laws. They're the ones who support Big Pharma. They create amazing paperwork for big insurance. By the way, the governor of Massachusetts, a quote unquote Republican, was a former head of Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare. Okay? He's the one who's going around social distancing, you know, whatever, flatten the curve, all this nonsense. Okay? The lawyer legal class does not give a damn about you. 70% of Congress is lawyers. And isn't it time we got rid of these people because they are remnants of the monarchy? They still think they're better. That's why this fellow Tim thinks that he can play me. 
he thinks he's going to give me advice when what he wanted to do was what was more important to him was his click in the swamp not doing the right thing and that's why this quote by christ is so powerful again i'll read it it says woe to you lawyers as well for you weigh men, you weigh men down and also women with burdens hard to bear while you yourselves will never not even touch the burdens with one of your fingers that means one yardstick for them another and this also another way that comes up in matthew that says they tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. And this is why we have the hypocrisy in Washington, because we have a bunch of unfortunate, I hate to use this word, a lot of scumbag lawyers who do not care about you. They only care about themselves and they write laws that with loopholes to support their elites, not for working people like you and me. So we need to become really, really aware of this and be uncompromising in this. And that's a way of, by the way, showing love to yourself. By the way, here's an interesting survey that they ask people who are going through divorce. Do you suspect that your attorney colluded with the other side's attorney? Yes or no? 85% of people, no lawyer, screw them, 85%. Which means that your attorney is colluding with the other attorney. Just like in this case, my attorney of 27 years, when it's coming to a real fight to put Shiva on the ballot to make sure our campaign is presented as the victors of the people leading a movement for truth, he sells us out. What did we do? We cut him off. I don't care if it's been 27, 30, 40 years. You have to take a swift sword. You have to sometimes take that whip and whip some people, okay? As Christ did in that market. It cannot be pussyfooting around when people screw around with ethics at a very fundamental level. So I want to share with you this very powerful report. This is a report done by Adam Bonica um, that shows that shows very interestingly how lawyers actually succeed. Why is it that lawyers keep getting involved in government? Why is it that they're able to raise money very, very quickly? And if you, anyone listening out there, if you're a nurse, you're a doctor, you're, you're, you're an engineer like myself, an entrepreneur actually creates things, does things, if you're a working mother or secretary, and you wanna get involved in government, why is it so hard? The reason it's hard is the system is rigged and this this very interesting study called Professional Networks, Early Fundraising and Electoral Success. And what this really talks about, this paper, really, and I'm gonna walk you through some of the statistics, then we're gonna to go to the not so obvious establishment, then we're gonna end with Fauci and what we need to do to win, is that, but I wanna to go to the problem here. This paper talks about how when you're a lawyer, you come with an entire fraternity. You, you're wired to win. Many years ago, I dated a woman who went to Harvard Law School, and it was fascinating. Uh, you know, they had a school play at Harvard Law School where, um, you know, it was a Christmas play. And I was there and I said, wow, this is interesting. I think they were doing some play. I said, where's the cameras? Are they recording? And she goes, no, 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 no. No, they're not going to record. They're not going to record anything. And I go, how come? They go, well, many of these law students want to be politicians. They don't want any of this data, any of this kept on them. You see, that's getting back to Christ. Lawyers want us to be surveillance, but they themselves are planning their trajectory they don't want themselves to be surveillance. They always want to keep their, their, frankly, very dirty lives very squeaky clean, okay? They always protect themselves. What this graph here shows is that something that you probably know, let me go into a little closer look, that what this shows right here is that predicted probability of winning contested primary elections conditioned on normalized share of fundraising. So what you see is, 
the more funds you raise, the more, so this is the amount of money you're raising or probability of winning, and this is the amount of money you have to raise. So what you see here is there's a direct correlation. If you wanna win, you're not gonna win without raising a lot of money. Very simple, I'm sure everyone understands this. Let's get a little more interesting here. It turns out, when you look at the big law schools, remember, if you go to law school, you have that fraternity. If you go to Harvard Law School, you go to Yale Law School. So when you wanna run for office in the typical campaign, not what we're doing in our campaign, we do videos, we educate people, we give something and you guys get excited and you're donating your five, 20, 25. We're building a bottoms up campaign. In our model, it's very different to what they do. How do they work? Well, they call up their old boy network, right? So they call up their old boys over at Harvard Law School that they went to and what you can see here is, for example, this is, um, data from 2015, it shows at Harvard University, Harvard University alumni or gave $474 million, that's close to half a billion dollars to their alumni, around 14,000 alumni, and that's the amount per alumnus is around $31,000. So 69%, that means 69% of the people at Harvard Law School donate to their friends who are running in politics, right? So they're all chums, they're all buddies, but 70% of the, the, the law school students uh, or law school graduates from Harvard Law School donate to their friends. And you can see the data here, it's quite extraordinary. So you see this insider trading, right? They, or more, if you wanna keep it less, in, less conspiracy, they essentially have access to massive amounts of funds. Yale, 70%, Columbia, et cetera. But basically, if you go to these law schools, you have a much easier chance to raise money. You don't actually have to do content, stay up until 10, 10 p.m., which I, by the way, I enjoy doing. Uh, uh, educate people, you just call up your friends or you hire people and you basically you have a nice cash cow of money coming in. So how does a nurse, how does a plumber, how does an engineer, how does any working person compete with that? They can raise money very, very quickly using their rigged network that's right at their disposal. And this report went on to show, for example here, that in recent election cycles, 87,300 lawyers, a lot of lawyers, at the top 100 largest law firms gave nearly $600 million. Think about that, 600 million, you're getting towards a billion dollars. So 87,000 lawyers, lawyers support other lawyers. $600 million, tremendous amount of money going from one profession to another profession. Why do they do that? Well, you're at a law firm, your friend is a senator, your friend's a house of representatives, well you can make a call when you need help, right? When you need some judicial help, some legislative help, it's an insider model, and you and I are not part of that. It's their aristocracy, and this is the insider trading that they do. Right out of here, $600 million that goes uh, between lawyers to other lawyers. This interesting graph is a little bit hard to read, but what, what this shows is contribution amounts from individual donors during the first 90 days. What do you see here? Over here, it's a little bit hard to see. These are people of a PhD, an MBA, no college degrees on this axis, so here's a lawyer. You see, and here's someone with a law degree. You see, within the first 90 days, a lawyer right here is able to raise $150,000. Even if you have a PhD, even if you have a master's degree, at best you're able to raise around only $25,000. So lawyers, in 90 days, remember, campaigns move fast. This campaign, the, our primary's coming up in September. By May, we gotta get on the ballot, all right? They're able to make quick phone calls in 90 days the average lawyer running can raise $150,000, six figures. You or I running in, the, in 90 days, where at best we can raise maybe $15,000. So think about that. 
They have a huge advantage because they're wired in to an old boy network that's theirs that they can call. In this case, my opponent, who was able to just make a few calls and he's able to get a lot of money with the GOP establishment to go send out nomination papers so he can get on the ballot. So that's something important to understand. But here's the actual data showing you this insider trading. Let me show you something even more compelling. This should probably get you hopefully really angry is this. On this x-axis you see percentage of national legislators with background in law. What, so with this axis I'm gonna show you, on the x-axis we're looking at what percentage of a country's legislatures, which means in, the, in this case the Senate and the Congress as lawyers, in the United States around 60%, and then what percentage of an economy has 0.1% income holders, which means we're looking at economic inequality. And what you'll find here is something, again, pure data, pure science, you see that USA has a lot of people, a lot of high percentage of people who are actually in legislatures and they have the highest percentage of income inequality. Next is Argentina, which we know their economy is utter disaster and ours with this quantitative easing is heading in that direction and, and so on, okay? Czechoslovakia and then Canada. But you see, we have the most percentage of lawyers and the highest percentage of income inequality. So let that just get into you. High percentage of lawyers correlates high with income inequality. Doesn't it make sense? They support insider trading. They make sure their 0.001% are taken care of. Not you and me, but their buddies. And this is the new aristocracy. So I wanna emphasize that we literally have an aristocracy. And that aristocracy, the kings may have left, but the lawyers protect their own. So the lawyers protect Bill Gates, the lawyers protect Mark Zuckerberg, the lawyers protect and the Clintons are both lawyers, okay? I'm running against three lawyers here, two Republicans and one, two Democrats and one Republican. That's what we are. That's the situation. So that's what you, let me show you another data point here that's gonna get you even more, uh, hopefully, concerned is this data is looking at the percentage of lawyers, uh, I'm sorry, this was 0.1%, 0.01%, okay, income inequality, and this again shows the same thing. This is 1%. Same, same, same character, 60% lawyers in our legislature, the highest income inequality. This gets even more interesting, okay? That one was income inequality, the 0.01% and the 1%. Now look at the countries where you have lots of lawyers and the incarceration rates, all right? And what you find here is we have the highest percentage of lawyers, highest percentage of lawyers in governance, and look at this, the percentage of rates per 100,000 citizens who are incarcerated. In the United States, close to 800 out of 100,000 people, according to this, rates per 100,000 citizens incarcerated. And over here, we blow away every country, okay? China's here, Ukraine's here, but we're off the charts. So the insider trading of lawyers tries to put as many people in prison, they strike deals to keep particularly working people, and I'm not saying we should not uh, people should not pay for their crimes, but the level of incarceration based on the level of lawyers we have percentage is quite extraordinary. Let me move on here. So I hope that you're getting the point here, the insider trading that takes place. This is where I really want to uh, harken back to what Christ said, that they have a yardstick for themselves and a different yardstick for, for, for us. My friend Tim has his own yardstick, right? I'm sure he'll protect his reputation, but not fight for mine. It doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter because he wants to preserve a swamp relationship. That was more important than, well, he lost my friendship over that. He lost my business forever. But lawyers are the ones who create, like Elizabeth Warren, like all these lawyers, they're the ones who create regulations to regulate us. We're gonna watch everything you do. We wanna get you vaccine mandates. You can't leave your house if you don't do this. If you don't have a vaccine card eventually, you can't go to the gym. You can't get your driver's license. Lawyers will be the ones drafting the laws to impose all this nonsense on us. Well, are lawyers regulated? Think about that. If your lawyer screws you, by the way, the lawyers are the only business that I know, unlike any other business, that when you go to a lawyer and say, can you help me? Well, give me $5,000 retainer. What are you gonna do for me? Am I gonna win? No, I don't know. Your plumber can't do that. Your electrician can't do that. I surely can't do that if I'm running my software business or I'm inventing something. If my stuff doesn't work, I have to give my money back. I can get sued. Well, lawyers can't get sued, right? So they have an insider trade. And in fact, what you find from this uh, interesting analysis, and I wanna point this out, is that despite the legal industry's estimated annual revenue of $300 billion, which would rank it as a 20th largest state by economic output behind Tennessee and ahead of Arizona, the industry remains entirely self-regulated. The ABA, the American Bar Association, which is a group that protects lawyers, their brotherhood, has fiercely defended the independence of the legal profession and has successfully lobbied against or simply exempted the legal industry from any legislation that it claims would infringe on the profession's right to self-regulation. So think about that. Lawyers write all these regulatory laws to impose their will on us. How is this any different than the king with the sheriff, if you remember Robin Hood, telling all the peasants what to do, they impose their laws, but when we say, what are the laws on you? Nothing. And this really needs to set in, because why do we keep electing the aristocracy when they will never fight for us? All these legislators who are imposing vaccine mandates, we have a, a bunch of very stupid people who are part of the quote-unquote anti-vax movement, like lawyer Robert Kennedy, okay? Who's been selling out the movement, telling people to legislate, legislate, where they didn't do anything. However, when I came into this movement, with all due respect, I said we need to build a bottoms-up movement, screw the lawyers, screw the legislators. That's why we won in New Jersey, which they're trying to overturn. Then you have a lot of these walking talk show head guys, you know, that claim they're gonna fight for vaccine rights, you know, building their little TV shows. Well, they also believe we should go negotiate with legislators. And let's talk about that, right? What I'm trying to say is the entire dialogue, even with people claim they're gonna fight for you, many of them are lawyers, many of them tell you to negotiate with lawyers, and that will never win, never win. And, and you can see here why the ABA itself is not regulated. Just to review, what is our goal? Our goal is truth, freedom, and health. That's what I'm running on, that's been my life, separate from my campaign. Uh, as, a, as someone who enjoys health and science, it's about truth, freedom, and health. And how do we get to truth, freedom, and health? As I've shared before, we need to be inclusive. We need to include as many people as possible. We need to be open and transparent. We need to take a systems approach, a, hol a holistic approach. We need to be decentralized, which means not a centralized top-down command. We need to fight for freedom, and we need to recognize each person is unique. We need to take an approach for freedom. 
and personalization. And how do we get there? Well, inclusivity again means we invite all people. That's why everything I do, if you notice, I'm not concerned here about you know people coming in and watching what we're doing. We're completely open. Even though people steal our content, they don't give us credit, that's okay. But Because you know where it actually came from. But the reality is I care more for this aspect of being open and transparent, supporting dialogue. We want to take a systems approach as we've done in understanding the immune system. We believe in decentralization, direct and everywhere. That's why if you look online, I put out content, people are taking this content and in a decentralized way, all over the world, people are saying, wow, there's a guy that, that'll fight for us. We have now a real movement for truth, freedom and health. It's all of you doing it in, the, in your own unique ways. It's decentralized. And the other aspect of this is freedom, not one inch to censorship, not one inch. And finally, personalized. Now, what do they want? The goals of the enemies, they want power, profit and control. Don't forget this. Power, profit, and control. Power of big pharma in this case, massive profitability and controlling us. They want to surveillance us. They want to make sure, did you get your vaccines or not? You're, not, you're going to be impinged on even traveling. That's where all of this is headed. But it's all based on this dynamic of power, profit, and control. And how do they want to get there? They're going to be exclusive, you know, aristocrats, they're lawyers, opaque, hiding everything, reductionists, only looking at one part, centralized keep everything, cards close to their chest, they're gonna censor us and it's gonna be depersonalized. That means they're not gonna look at the fact, oh, wait a minute, these are critical care patients, you know, and maybe they're of African-American origin. I should deal with them a little bit differently than these other people. Hey, these are healthy people. Give them some vitamin DNA. Let them get back to work. Hey, these are immunocompromised people. Let's give them high dosage DNA as a plan I laid out to the president. They don't care about personalization. They wanna treat us like a blob social distance us, quarantine us, and then vaccinate us. That's what they want to do, right? It's a very different model. Again, to review their approach, the inputs of our enemy are exclusivity, a few, the elite, the lawyer lobbyists, opacity, hidden and secretive, reductionism, they look at one part. So what I mean by one part is they don't want to talk about immune health. They want to talk about this microbe coming and attacking you and vaccine is a solution. That's what I mean. It's a single point model it's not looking at the whole centralization big pharma big media big government censorship which means you shut the hell up and you fall in line and that's what i see dangerous about what's going on we first of all they they do reductionist fake science they centralize authority with big pharma big media big government and they shove down our throat how we're supposed to be social distancing flattening the curve nothing about immune health not one word and depersonalize, treating us all as one big statistic because when they treat us as a statistic, they can manipulate the statistic. We all know right now, no one really even knows what the numbers really are. We don't really know what the numerator is. We don't really know what the denominator is. Let me start this again. We don't really know what the numerator is. We don't really know what the denominator is that's going on because they can manipulate statistics. And then finally, what we have is we need to recognize uh, some people say, you know, fight fire with fire. Yes, but we're never going to win by using the methods of our enemy. We have to use principles, and those principles are very clear. What I'm talking about, inclusivity, and I'll go back to this if you want to review that the path, our path to victory is this, inclusivity, we invite everyone to participate, we're transparent, we do systems thinking, we're decentralized, we're into freedom and, and personalization. 
But important is that we also have our ethics. We don't violate these. There's a lot of people in these movements who go this way, including these so-called movements which can't claim they want to fight for people. So let me go over here. Oops, I, do, I wanted to share with the ethics here. This is what I'm talking about, the ethics here. So how do we win? What is the path to victory? And in this context, I want everyone to understand the not so obvious establishment. So we clearly know what the establishment is. We clearly know how they operate. We clearly know how we need to operate for truth, freedom, and health. And I wanna review with you, if you go back to history and you really look at how we actually won. If you remember, I've talked about this curve. This is a curve showing what the number of infectious diseases were in the 1900s, around 14 out of 100,000 people are dying. And you can see it went up, this is around the Spanish epidemic, and then it came precipitously down. So if you even look before, the measles vaccine came in 1963. What do you see here? This is roughly about 0.1, or if you wanna give a good day, half out of 100,000. So we had massive reduction in infectious diseases. In fact, 98% of the infectious diseases, 98% of measles was gone before the vaccine. So just think about that. So when some idiot like Bill Gates tells you that vaccines were the major cause of reducing infectious diseases, he's, he's lying to you. Absolute lies. When you look at the curve here, what do you see here? This is flattening the curve. How do we flatten the curve here? We flatten the curve from here to here by something quite phenomenal that took place. During this period, we had amazing developments in infrastructure, nutrition, People started seeing the power of nutrition. We got rid of child labor. We started using vitamin A. We had sanitation, we had refrigeration. But one of the important things was nutrition, nutrition, nutrition. We eliminated people working their butts off and hurting themselves, working in factories that were just infested with all sorts of toxins. We started creating ways to protect our working people. Well, how did that happen? Did the bourgeois, did the elites give that to us? No, and this is what many of the people will not talk about. People will not talk about this, the not so obvious establishment who claims they wanna fight for us will not talk about the fact that it was a labor, labor movement of the late 1800s and the early 1900s what delivered us better health. I'm talking about people who fought, who went on the streets and they said, no freaking way, we're not gonna let you take away our rights. We're not gonna let you force a vaccine card on us so you could, you could impose your will on us. And that's where we're at right now. If you actually look at this, what do you see? How did we get there? And no one wants to talk about this, particularly the so-called Bobby Kennedys or the bug trees or these guys. They don't want to talk about this because they're part of the establishment. They don't want to unleash a revolutionary movement in this country. And this is what history shows. Look, 1834, first turmoil, the mill girls right here in Lowell, Massachusetts to protect wage cuts. 1843, Lowell Female Labor Reform Association begins public petitioning for 10-hour workday. 1871, after a dress shop is destroyed in the Great Chicago Fire, Mary Harris, Mother Jones, begins working as a labor organizer. 1903, Women's Trade Union. 1909, uprising of 20,000 female shirtwaist makers, and so on. In 1911, uh, Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire in the New York Hills kills nearly 150 workers. What you're talking about is massive movement of workers. And I gave you the example of women workers, so many working mothers and working fathers, and, and, but families have come to support our movement in, for US Senate bottoms up because they want truth, freedom, and health. And they know 
the, the policies that I'm talking about are we need to bring infrastructure. We have dirty air, dirty water, dirty food. And if you look back at this graph here, it was these militant labor movements that gave rise to what we saw here, this reduction in infectious disease. So it was the American militant working class, and I use that word militant to say it was just like Jesus taking that whip with great love that really brought down infectious diseases. The plumbers and the sanitation workers that were part of that infrastructure is what lowered it. Not the medical doctor, not the pharmacist. It was the power of the American working class that caused it. And since that time in 1950-60, those in power hate the organization of American working people. They try to brand them as communists. By the way, May Day is coming up. I think we're about a couple of weeks away. Do you know where May Day started? May Day started in the United States when in the 1800s, three workers were shot in the Haymarket riots for fighting for basic rights for you and I that we have today. That's where actual change takes place, not through legislatures, but when we start organizing. And if you look at before the coronavirus came, what was happening? Throughout the world, there were movements for freedom in Hong Kong, movements against pollution in Wuhan. Go look it up in June and before that. All over China, people were fighting. Venezuela, France. You know, you had two populist uh, leaders get elected at India Modi in the U.S. Trump. Whether you like him or not, these were anti-establishment candidates. All over the world, that's what was going on. Movements were building, and that, in my opinion, scared the bejesus out of these people. So they had to take action, which was to suppress dissent, create fear, crash the economy, and that's where we are. So if you go back here, and if you really look at this, what you start understanding is, again, this is another graph of that, is that what is a not so obvious establishment? And let me talk about this, give you a little personal history. In 1983 or four, when I came to MIT, I was, I was there two years, I got, obviously I've always been interested in politics, but from a historical standpoint and how you win liberation. In 1984, there was uh, Ronald Reagan, the Republican was running against a Democrat by the name of Walter Mondale. And me and my friends, uh, you know, ardent, uh, students of politics, we had, um, we were very interested in this, and we, there was another guy who purported uh, to be against the establishment. Okay, his name was Jesse Jackson. So you had the establishment candidates, and you had this guy who was saying he was against the establishment. And Jesse Jackson ran this diversity campaign, the Rainbow Coalition, and we were like, wow, this guy could be against the establishment. You know, I obviously was more of a rebel and wanted disruption to change the world. And what does Jesse Jackson do? He takes all of these people, talks all the rhetoric of change, and then at the last minute on the floor of the Democratic Convention, he gives all of his votes to Walter Mondale, the Democrat, saying, oh, we can't have the, le we have to choose the lesser of two evils. You may have heard this. Instead of building an independent movement, he sells out the entire movement to Walter Mondale on this thesis that we must settle, you know, we must lower our standards. And this has been the march of history, where we put faith in these anti-establishment candidates when we actually find out that they're part of the establishment. And since then, I realized I would never vote in electoral politics. And that was my journey, because I realized there's an interesting phenomenon called the not-so-obvious establishment. They speak the rhetoric, but if you actually look at their actions and how they actually make money, Jesse Jackson, if I had at that time investigated more, 
his entire money making was essentially being a quote unquote organizer. He had no job, no skills, nothing. So what I wanna share with you, and this is probably gonna be an extremely important lesson that I wanna share with you so we do not commit the same mistakes so we can figure out who is actually gonna screw us. And this is how it goes. Here's the lesson. Here's sort of the physics of this. You have the establishment, what I call the obvious establishment, okay? And by the way, in, in 2016, uh, there's a guy called Bernie Sanders who was running, and a number of people called me up and they said, hey, you should vote for Bernie. He's going against the establishment. I said, look, Bernie Sanders will do exactly what Jesse Jackson did, and I said he will give all of his votes when he loses to Hillary Clinton. And all of the Bernie supporters were like, no, Bernie will never do that. You know, he's, he's fighting against the establishment. I said, no. I said, he's part of the problem. He speaks a good game. Look at his life. He's been in the legislature. He's done nothing to really help everyday working people. So in that election, what happens? You have the obvious establishment, Hillary Clinton, of the Clinton Global Initiative, pro-vaccine. By the way, the Clinton Global Initiative got nearly 350 million R&D dollars funneled through them for uh, the HPV Gardasil vaccine. So there was Hillary Clinton. And, and, and by the way, the obvious establishment, if you look back, also included the Bushes, the Clintons, and, and, and uh, Obama. And here's Obama and the another part of the establishment, Romney shaking hands. But fundamentally, Clinton in the 2016 election was the establishment. In opposition to the establishment, oop, I didn't take you here. Let me go back here again. Just the slides I was sharing here was this. Here's the establishment. There's Hillary. There's the little trio of the obvious establishment, the Bush, the Clintons, and the Obamas, Romney and Obama. But fundamentally, what you find in history is that in opposition to the obvious establishment comes the agents of change. The true agents of change, like people like us, bottoms up, who are here until whatever, 10 p.m. doing these videos with our whatever lighting we can have without Botox, whatever we can do here to get across truth. We're bottoms up people. Um, people come up to want to help our campaign, bottoms up. Change agents. Well, in opposition to the change agents, and let's look at what those change agents are, by the way, just to give you a flavor. People of all different colors, you know, Tea Party, you know, people on the right, people on the left, the Green Party, people who want to stop Monsanto, people who want to get rid of GMOs. But I'm saying it's a variety of people, but one of the key things is the people who are uh, of change agents work decentrally, bottoms up. They're not looking at top-down governance. They're willing to go argue, have freedom, get people involved in discourse. This is one of the important things of the uh, true change agents. So in opposition to the change agents, who do you have? You have something interesting that appears, the not-so-obvious establishment. And so I want you to listen very carefully here. The not-so-obvious establishment are the people who sell out our movements. They say one thing, like the lawyer class, they have one yardstick for themselves, another yardstick for you and I, and at the last minute, they always betray us. So what I'm talking about here is, in the, in the 2016 election, who was a not-so-obvious establishment? I hate to break the bubble to a lot of you guys, it was Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders was a not-so-obvious establishment in that case. Bernie Sanders talked a good game, the working class, you know, Medicare for all, all this stuff. But what happens? He goes, I represent the people and not Wall Street. But then he said, vote for Hillary. So just think about that. And everyone will say, well, Bernie had to do that. No, he didn't have to do that. If he had any principles for truth, freedom, and health, like as we talked about, he would not have supported her. It doesn't matter whether he's 
you know, he had to do this to fight against Trump. No, you pursue your own path with uncompromising fervor. In fact, he said, if you can't beat him, you know, join him. And in fact, this was something Trump put out would actually make sense, which says Bernie Sanders endorsing crooked Hillary is like Occupy Wall Street endorsing Goldman Sachs. It pretty much said it all. And I want people to think about this. When we have so-called leaders who say that they're fighting for you against the establishment, why are we willing, why are we willing to be compromising to their illicit behavior, I-L-L-I-C-I-T? And in the vaccine movement, one of the interesting things that happened, let me restart up our folks on, uh, I gotta start up our folks here. So one of the interesting things that um, Instagram people, sorry about that, one hour's over, but one of the interesting things in the vaccine movement for medical freedom, you've had people like this guy, Bobby Kennedy, you know, talks a good game, but at the end of the day, he endorsed Hillary Clinton three times, not once, not twice, three times. She is pro-vaccine, pro-vaccine, got money from Big Pharma, Clinton Global Initiative, and then he came here and he endorsed his nephew, Joe Kennedy, not me, but Joe Kennedy, who actually, and you can say, well, it's family. Well, I have a lot of people who take principles. They even take principle stands against their family. And he is also pro-vaccine mandates, okay? That's Joe Kennedy. Bobby Kennedy, the so-called fighter, who's part, really, it's a fake fighter. And so people need to start recognizing that we're not gonna win anything if we keep making excuses. And when I started exposing Bobby Kennedy and people like Dull Bugtree, who's a complete fraud. This guy actually goes out there, says, you know, he, you know, he has his little show, you know, that's all his show. And this guy, what he did was he said, the reason I call him that is because when the vaccine movement is taking place in New Jersey or the medical freedom movement, he said, let's negotiate with the legislators as though the legislators are going to do anything, a bunch of lawyer lobbyists. And that's what you need to understand. When these people always lead us back to the legislators. It's one of the interesting features of how they sell out the movement. So here, you have the not so obvious establishment. And in fact, if you look at this, this is what Bernie did. He kissed ass with Hillary at the end. He sold out the movement. So what, what am I talking about? What I'm saying is the not so obvious establishment, they have a particular purpose. And listen carefully, their purpose is to take all that anger out on the streets, all the bottoms up movement and funnel it so they'll talk a good game like Bernie and at the last minute, give it to the establishment and make you feel good about doing that. Make you feel like you're, he's doing something to help you. Oh, well, Bernie, we don't want Trump, right? They always have some shtick when at the end of the day, the goal of the not so obvious establishment is to sell you out. It is to take your energy from building independent movements. And the reality is independent movements may not be perfect. They might, it may not be exact but they're bottoms up and they don't want that bottoms up movement. They want you to rely on them. They want you to rely on them, the lawyer lobbyist class. And that's what I want you to take away from here. Their goal is to funnel your anger, your spirit, and bring it back into the establishment. In this case, that's what Bernie did for Hillary. And this is the end result of what he fundamentally did to the movement. He basically, or the fake movement, which wasn't ever a movement anyway, so it's basically two sides of the same coin. That's what we're talking about. It's two sides of the exact same coin of the obvious establishment and the not so obvious establishment. And you can see this, by the way, Elizabeth Warren, who talks a good game, 
she supported the Monsanto Protection Act. And these are the people of the not-so-obvious establishment. And over here is we the people. So how do we, how do we really understand what the not-so-obvious establishment is? One of the features of the not-so-obvious establishment is the following. They always funnel things to the legislature. Their goal is, let's get this bill passed. And they always say, now is not the time to protest. Now is not the time to take up arms, or now is not the time to get angry, you know? We've seen this in history. They say, talk to your congressman. You know, write to your congressman. They discourage conversation. They discourage taking things to the streets. That's what they're about. They do not want us to build independent movements. They want us to be funneled up through some set of the legal class in. Now, if you look at history, this has been a way to control people's movements historically over and over again. If you look at the Russian Revolution, people were bubbling up from bottoms for, for freedom. And you know what the Tsar did, the obvious establishment? He did something clever. He said, I'm gonna create a little legislature for you. Call it the Duma, you angry people. Don't be angry, come here and have conversations, but within my bounded thing called the legislature. But you know what, the Russian people figured it out, at least for a couple of years, they had a good revolution. You go over to India, for in the 20s, people from India were rising up. They wanted a good revolution. They wanted real freedom to throw out the British, like we did in America, and at least get to a certain level of modicum of freedom. What did the British do? Very clever. They flew in a guy, this guy, who's been made into a saint when he frankly wasn't, and I can speak to him, and if people, it, it, it hopefully, it shatters some of your mythology about Gandhi. Gandhi was a racist in South Africa. He didn't really help any of the blacks or poor whites there. What he did was try to help the rich Transvaal people of the Hindu elites. When he came to India, it was a time when there was a massive movement growing up from bottoms up, from the Indian people wanting a good revolutionary movement. And what did Gandhi do? Gandhi served as the in-between as a not so obvious establishment between the British establishment and the change agents, and he did what was called transfer of power. Transfer of power, which means he took men with uh, white men with crowns and he transferred power to brown men with white hats. That's what happened. India never got liberation. It basically had a transfer of power from the British elite to the Indian elite, and for 70, 80 years, India had massive amounts of corruption. That's what took place. That's what these guys are about. They want to prolong human suffering. They don't want us to break and build revolutionary movements. And right now, what we're witnessing is a failure of all those misleaders. The reason we're getting into this surveillance state situation is that those misleaders kept compromising, compromising, compromising movements every step of the way. The way we're gonna win is a bottoms-up movement and by people recognizing that there is actually a physics just like to the immune system, there's a physics to how we organize ourselves, start recognizing that there is a not-so-obvious establishment. Exactly, Nehru was one of them, someone just wrote that. So, here are, again, the six principles to win truth, freedom, and health. And let me go back to that. We're, we cannot take on the, we have to be inclusive, transparent, we have to take a systems approach, decentralize, and freedom. Now, in closing, what I want to do um, this evening is talk about this in the context of what's happening right now. What's happening right now, we're at a very, very critical point. We have to recognize that we're at a point where we actually have to take 
a, a, an approach where we recognize that we're being lied to, fake science, big pharma, fear-mongering, and the approach here has to be to recognize with open eyes where we're going and to be very clear, to have a clear-cut understanding where, where this can all head and what we need to do. So if you look here, where, what is Fauci saying? This just came out. It said, U.S. may issue coronavirus immunity cards. Fauci says this just came out about six hours ago. So think about this. Just digest this for a second. Just digest this. Digest this by the fact that none of the legislators, until we and I started hitting at fire Fauci, now Ron Paul is coming, uh, Ron, Rand Paul, I think, is coming out. The legislators are watch which way the wind blows. It is us bottoms up. But fa and what they're doing is every time they keep their mouth shut, the not so obvious establishment, be it Democrats or the Republican establishment, and they're letting us flounder here. No one is standing up for us. This gives even more power to the establishment of Fauci to go and, and put forward something like this. U.S. may issue coronavirus immunity cards. That's what Fauci's saying. And look at this. This came out in Scientific American a couple months ago. And by the way, unfortunately, the guy that I know developed this was one of my former advisors, Bob Langer. They're talking about invisible ink could reveal whether kids have been vaccinated or not. And the idea is that when you get a vaccine, they will use a technology called quantum dots. A little dye will go underneath your epidermal and then they can scan you and know whether you have been vaccinated or not. So it's tagging you. It's like putting a chip in you. So is this where we want it to go? A surveillance state where we'll have to carry on immunity cards to go to the gym, to get a driver's license, to basically leave your house. Think about what is going on. And the reason we've got here is because we've all been sold out. We've all been sold out. We haven't had anyone fighting for us. That's why we're going into this situation. And all of this is gonna serve power, profit, and control. A surveillance state with 5G, uh, internet of things everywhere, watching everything we're doing, watching our movement. We're gonna be subsumed to be little automaton slaves. And this is not conspiracy. We're talking about, let me take you back. This is this foolish Fauci, who's part of Big Pharma, actually considering this actually considering this. Think about it. And it is up to us to say no. It's up to us to take that whip like Jesus did and say no to the money changers. No way. Enough is enough. You cannot allow this to occur because you're heading into dangerous grounds. There cannot be any type of compromise on this. That is what we're talking about. Not one inch to this. Not one inch. And what you're seeing here is, who's this here? Someone's talking to me here. Um, what we're seeing here is immunity cards. And we have technologies, the technology's already there to start controlling us. So what I wanna end with is, I started with Christ, I'll end with Christ, okay? If you remember, how did Judas expose Christ? He came to him and he kissed him. And that was a signal for the Romans in the Garden of Gethsemane to take away Christ. It was done with a kiss, okay? It was sold with a kiss. It wasn't like he pointed him out. He kissed him and he sold him out. And that's what's taking place right now. The legislators, the lawyers, the lobbyists are selling us all out with a kiss by saying they care about us social distancing, that they care about our public health. They don't give a damn about our public health because if they did, we'd have clean air, 
clean water, clean food. We have dirty air, dirty water, dirty food. We have the highest infant mortality rates in the Western world in the United States, the lowest longevity rates. 54% of our kids have autoimmune disorders. One out of our kids have mental disorders. That's where we're at. We're all being sold out and not by the establishment, by the not so obvious establishment, by those people who run their little foundations claiming they want to help us, by the Kennedys, okay, as though the Kennedys are the only ones who can save us, by these people who do these little TV shows, nicely Botox, nicely well-lit, all these guys, you know who I'm talking about. That's who has sold us out because they never want us to build independent, vociferous, revolutionary movements from bottoms up. They want us to beg to legislators for crumbs. And when you look at this anti-vaccine or the medical freedom movement, that's what's happened to us. In 1962, John Kennedy created the Vaccination Act based on fake science, outdated science. 1986, we have a lot of vaccine injured people. They created the vaccine courts by his brother, Ted Kennedy and Waxman, etc., to protect the, to protect the uh, pharmaceutical companies. Then they threw some crumbs to us along the way. Okay, you can get medical exemptions, religious exemptions. And then Bobby Kennedy comes in, another Kennedy, as though he's the only one who can be a fighter, you know, telling us, okay, you know, uh, we're going to protect you. We're going to negotiate with the legislators. Well, the reality is he didn't do jack until a guy like me came in, bottoms up, who's not a Kennedy, who said, we need to fight bottoms up. That's why we won in New Jersey. And that's how we're going to win. Because I'll tell you this, as the story of Christ tells us, we're all going to be sold out by Judas's with a kiss. That's how we're going to be sold out. Not with a slap, but with a kiss. And this is what the not-so-obvious establishment is about. They will screw us, and they will make you feel good as they're screwing us. And that's what we need to stop. So remember, the path to freedom is going to come from breaking free, not only of the establishment, but the not-so-obvious establishment. That is the physics of change. The change is going to come when we open our eyes. If you look at history, I'll give you this one example. You know, there was an anti-war movement in this country against the Vietnam War. And there were a lot of these very stupid, you know, uh, people talking all sorts of stuff, counterculture people. Oh, you know, you know, only the Republicans are for war. Barry Goldwater, the Democrats are anti-war. Well, that wasn't true. They kept escalating the war, the bombing of Cambodia. Well, in 1968, Lyndon Johnson, a Democrat, had machine guns on the stage of the Democratic Convention. And he was beating the shit out of people outside of the Democratic Convention. That's when, after people got their heads busted in, they said, wow, maybe the Democrats, the not-so-obvious establishment, are also anti-war. And when they figured that out and they broke with the establishment and the not-so-obvious establishment, literally within 24 months, the war ended. And that's what we need to do. We need to recognize that the MDs aren't going to help you, okay? The legislators aren't going to help you. The lawyers aren't going to help you. Who's going to help us is people like myself, people like you, and that's why we need to win this U.S. Senate seat. It's not about winning a Senate seat. It's about winning a movement for truth, freedom, and health. So what I wanted to share with you is look at what's going on here. People are coming out in droves. We nearly have 45,000 people who've signed this petition in 48 hours. That's what's happened. And nearly you know, a thousand doctors. And what I need everyone to do is I need to get on the ballot. We need to get on the ballot. And if people go here to shivaforsenate.com, everyone write this down. If you scroll down, 
in order for us to get on the ballot, given all the fascism that's taking place, where my volunteers can't even go out and collect signatures without the governor of this state on behalf of the other Republican candidates shutting me down, we've decided, we've created, by the way, we have, I write code, I have some amazing IT people. We've done it so we will mail you, literally to your doorstep, if you're in Massachusetts, a ballot. I mean, a nomination paper. All you have to do is one click, click right here, put your, right here, your first name, your last name, your email, your phone, your address, and your city, your zip, and submit it. And we will, our amazing volunteers, will ship you out. Michelle, can you get one of those nomination papers? Um, we'll ship you out a nomination paper. And with that nomination paper, people sign and submit it. So everyone listening, call up your friends tonight in Massachusetts, every one of them. Tell them we need to get Dr. Shiva Ayadure on the ballot. And these are one of the ballots that they'll get, if you can see this here. And when they get it, they simply sign it. We give them envelopes so they don't have to buy the stamps and they can send it. And that's how we win. This is how we're gonna win, through people power. Bottoms up. So everyone do that. In addition, everyone knows that I am committed, deeply committed to education, deeply committed to sharing as much as that I have. And uh, many of you know that if you go to our, if you go to Shiva for Senate and you click on this button called donate, if you click on this button called donate, we, we want you to donate to support our campaign. But I just don't wanna give you something for nothing. If you go here, we have this thing, by the way, I announced it yesterday. If people donate to 25 or more, they get this book, System and Revolution. In addition, they get access to this very powerful tool called Your Body, Your System, which teaches you how your body is a system. You can figure out your particular body's system state. That red dot, uh, and you'll understand the physics once you study the book, is transport, conversion, and storage, the forces within you. That is you. This red dot will be different for each person. Then you take a different set of assessment questions. It figures out how you've deviated from you. The imbalance. Yes, and and here, uh, Michelle, can you plug this in before I run out? Sure. Uh, and then keep keep this whole going. One second, everyone. Michelle's going to hold this up because I'm going to give it to her. Michelle, can you just hold it from here? I think you should do it from over here. Okay. Because I'm about to run out of here. Um, hold on. Hold on, everyone. Um, uh, yeah, you can like right over here. Let me just put this over here. Yeah, you can bring it closer here. Thanks. Yeah. So one of the things that I want to share with everyone is that if you go to this site, you can really learn the physics of how your body is a system, and then you can figure out what are the right inputs for your body, the right foods, the supplements, but it's not really a medical recommendation. You can use it, you know, but we get in trouble for doing that, but this is more to teach you how your body is a system. So when you donate, what we had it before was you had to donate 25 or more. But given that you know we're in such hard economic times, even if you donate five bucks, you get it, okay? 10 bucks, you get it, whatever you can donate. And those of you listening from overseas, by the way, uh, donations for a federal campaign can only come from U.S. citizens, and not U.S. citizens, but registered voters in Massachusetts and U.S. citizens. U.S. Okay? citizens. Um, however, if you're overseas and you're listening, and I, I, or if you're even in here and you're so destitute that you can't afford it, just write me a note, vashiva at vashiva.com, vashiva, or send a note through our contact, let us know your situation and we'll figure it out for you. This is not about making money. We do need to support our campaign to win, but our goal really is to educate you. 
My great-grandfather, as I mentioned earlier, was an indentured servant. He basically grew up like an indigenous slave. He went to Burma, made some money, then came back to World War II. He's a very frugal man. But one of the things he said was that if anyone ever needs education, he would you know, sell his own shirt on his back to support people. So in honor to him and in honor to sort of the values I believe in, you know, I thought 25 was low, but you know, I know many of, there's 40%, you know, we, we have 12 million people who've now filed unemployment claims. So the goal is to help you and so we all win together. There you go. Let me take some questions here. Let me go back to me over here and let's see what we got here. If Jen, if you're listening, if you have any questions coming through, Jen, you can text me if you have things coming through. And uh, let me go back to video over here. Any questions? So in conclusion, what I want people to leave away with is we've talked about the physics of the immune system, but there's also a system on how what we do to... Uh, uh, make change happen and that system is going to come if we recognize it's not the establishment it's the Judas's it's like this lawyer Tim that I've had and you know what it was liberating just to cut it very clearly we need to cut and we need to move forward that's how we're gonna win Jen says Dr. Shiva if you can help get more signatures I would love to help yes yeah, so anyone who wants to help us get signatures you can there's another part of our site if you're in Massachusetts and you want to help us get signatures, you can go to shivaforsenate.com slash SIGS, S-I-G-S, and you can get nomination papers um, right here, shivaforsenate.com slash SIGS. And there's a very nice video that Michelle has done on this page that'll come up shortly here. And you can get that. I guess a lot, by the way, the site suddenly got slow, so be patient. Everyone's hitting the site, don't leave. You can go up there. Uh, hey, Jen, if you're listening, tell Bruce that if he's doing any caching on the site. By the way, the, the site, you know, we've, uh, we have performance tuning on it, but given probably the thousands of people hitting the server right now, don't lose your patience. Go back and, and do it. But if you go to Shiva for Senate slash SIGS, it just took about 30 seconds to come up. There's a wonderful page here where you can get the equipment you need uh, from us if you're in Massachusetts to collect signatures. Those of you who are outside of Massachusetts, simply tell people, your friends, anyone out there, simply tell people, uh, if you uh, are outside, of, tell people to go to Shiva for Senate, scroll down and there's a button there Tell all your friends and send them that link, shivaforsenate.com slash, I think it's get Dr. Shiva on the ballot and send that to all your friends in Massachusetts and we will ship them, excuse me, out a uh, all the stuff that they could sign and send it in. We must get on the ballot. We need about 7,000 signatures. This is a marathon that we're running, or not a marathon, a sprint. We have about 10 days. We must get on the ballot. We get on the ballot, we win. It's a devastating hit for the establishment, us getting on the ballot. This victory in Massachusetts will be one of the most profound victories for all of us. Think about this. Someone like you who came from nothing, a working class kid in New Jersey, earned all of his stuff, worked his butt off, winning for you, and having someone like me making sure that we get the medical freedom that we deserve. Who else is gonna fight for us in there? It's not gonna be them, it's gonna be one of us. So we have to win. This is about truth, freedom, and health. 
versus power, profit, and control. It's about whether we go into the golden age or whether we go into the dark ages. So it's really about us winning. Anything else? Sati, are you aware of any natural debts that are also attributed to vivid? I, I don't know if people are talking here. I'm not sure what they're really saying. Um, anyway, I'm seeing what's going on on here. When will you have your next live? Yeah, my next live, I'm going to, um, my goal is based on the feedback we got, 5.30 is what people are saying is a good day to do lives or time. I'll be doing 5.30 lives. I do other interviews during the day. Some of those we'll also be putting out. Any other questions? Uh, natural immunity. Um, I live in Australia. Can I donate? Yes. If you live outside of Massachusetts and you want to support what we're doing on the educational side, you can go to your body, your system right here. Let me go back to this. So if you don't, if you can't support the campaign, you can go to your body or your system and you can go right here. Let me uh, uh, transition over here. You can go right here and you can go to get started now, right over here onto your body, your system. And you can also get the same things. You get the book, you get all the tools and it's uh, outside of the United States around 25 bucks to do it. By the way, if any of you having financial difficulties, I know this economic thing is not only hitting the United States everywhere, please write to us, let us know, and we'll accommodate you. Whatever you need to get this knowledge is what it's about. If you can donate money, great. If whatever you can donate, let us know. We have to win. We have expenses here, but we understand your economic hardship. This is um, we're very empathetic here. We must win. So you can go to your body, your system not directly. US, huh? For those in, not in the United States, literally directly go to your body, your system. For both those in the United States, go to Shiva for Senate. Let me see here. Uh, share all his videos on every platform. Definitely. Uh, you can go to truthfreedomhealth.com, truthfreedomhealth.com. And let me go over there. And you, you, what I'll show you is I've tried to make it easy for you. So if you want to share videos with everyone, you can go to this website. If you type in truthfreedomhealth.com, it's a quick URL. Um, someone said, are you opposed to all vaccines? I'm in, I'm in CA and all RMDVs are shut down as non-essential. Your messages are so true. So if you go to truthfreedomhealth.com again, to those of you listening, our site is getting slow because I'm sure it's getting hammered, which is a good thing. It's a good problem to have. Just be patient. I think it takes about a minute for the main that page to come up. But if you go to truthfreedomhealth.com, we literally have all the videos that you can see. It's an educational area that can quickly go see to um, uh, understand what I'm talking about. So enjoy that. Use truthfreedomhealth.com as a resource to educate yourself, your family, and others. It's time that we win. You know, we're already winning, by the way. The fact that all of you guys are on, the fact that these videos are going explosive, everyone should be really happy. You know, it's important to also recognize a victory. And the victory is, you know, these videos are going everywhere, be it Africa, India, Asia, Finland, Poland. I mean, they're literally going everywhere. We've unleashed a worldwide movement for truth, freedom, and health. And all of you who are supporting it in whatever way you can, by volunteering, by supporting our campaign, by getting onto YBYS, you're all part of that movement. It's very exciting. We finally have something that's bringing us together to fight against a common enemy, Fauci, Big Pharma, the Gates Foundation, the Zuckerbergs, all these elitists who all think they know better than you and I.
Truth, Freedom, Health. Exactly. Love your message. Also, thoughts on David Icke interview. I, uh, my assistant is, I think, working on that. Thank you for educating people. Uh, uh, I wouldn't trust the tests. They were laced in the UK. Um, let's see. Go on Facebook and tell everyone. By the way, guys, unleash, unleash hell. <laughs> you know, take that whip that like Jesus had and start whipping some of these people. What I'm talking about, the establishment. We need ferocity. And I want to just repeat that real love, in my view, you know, my mom was an amazing woman. She sort of, after a while, she used to watch all these TV shows. I love you. I love you. I love you. And she said, what is all this? Everyone's saying I love you. And the next day they're divorced, right? <laughs> so that was my mom's view about it. But she had a real sense of love. And her love was do something good for the world. Do service. Be a fighter. Stand up for truth. That's what Jesus Christ was about, in my view. The legacy of Christ was someone who lived in spirit and in flesh. Everything was connected. There was no dissonance. He wasn't a lawyer, okay? He wasn't a lawyer scumbag, frankly. I hate to use that word, but we have to have a certain sense of righteous anger. Are you still going to have a discussion with your doctor friends? Yes, we are. I wanted to do tonight. We have two doctor friends who are going to join us. Um... You know, my schedule gets so hectic, guys. I do the best I can, so just be patient. Uh, our two doctor friends are going to join us, uh, Dr. Gonzalez and Dr. Mitchell. One is an MD, PhD, an ER doctor, and the other works on vitamin C. I will uh, try to put that together. What is tonight? Uh, tomorrow. I will try to do, we'll make that our talk for tomorrow. I'll do my talk at 5.30 and we'll go right to them. But thank you for reminding me. Anything else? Happy Good Friday. Oh, it's today's Good Friday. Happy Good Friday. It's a very, very beautiful day. Uh, Good Friday. What else? Can you please do a talk on 5G? Yes. Uh, in about two weeks, I'll be doing a talk on 5G. I'm getting some amazing information. We're putting some stuff through our engine cytosol. We'll be talking about that. But one of the most important things on 5G that we must understand is that I pray for you during my meditation. Thank you. Um, one of the things we need to understand is the health effects is one piece which i'm exploring but more importantly 5g is to create a surveillance state china's done it they have 200 million cameras they have cameras with ai that watch your lips that can read that can figure out what you're saying so remember that do we want to be inhuman automatons to serve elite or do we want to be free people i'm thinking about may day is coming up which is International Workers Day. Should we all go out and enjoy? Maybe we should think about when they say, okay, you can come work. Maybe we don't go to work. Maybe we don't go to work. Maybe we do what they do not want us to do. Let's think about that, okay?